Hello and welcome to Mash Time Podcast, episode 2.5. Here today to talk about fermentation is Sean Vansickle. Hello, and hello. Stephen Kalisti. Hello, hello. So what's up, boys? Not much. We're uh, we're drinking a mild right now. We just poured it off camera. The beer was poured. Yes, camera. We are constantly yeah. recording mm-hmm. video here. <laughs> You guys should do a live podcast at some point. <laughs> we can barely do these like ahead of time. I don't think live is a good idea. Um, so tell us about this mild, Sean. Well, uh, this is before I start talking about it. What are your guys' impressions of the of the nose on this one? Let's see on the nose. Because I I hate to poison people's preconceptions. I believe I remember smelling nut on this one. Yeah. Like uh like almonds or something, but I don't pick it up anymore. Okay. So Yeah, I remember it had almost a uh almost a hazelnut thing. Not not like super strong. It's not it doesn't smell like Nutella or anything like no, that. No, definitely. There was not. a little almost hazelnutty thing going on there too. But I feel like the nutty's really faded. It's mm-hmm. uh, malt forward, but very much malt forward, yeah. Um this is a Super, super malty beer. It's very tasty. Very light. Mm-hmm. 3.3% alcohol. That's why we're drinking this first. <laughs> it's good. I don't know much about Milds. I have yet to brew one. So, Yeah, this was um, brewed with um, crisp amber malt as well as Baird's uh, Crystal 50-60 Lovabond malt. Okay. So, and I think altogether my my um, crystal malts were something like 18 or 20% of the grist, which is pretty high, especially for someone who likes dry-ass beer like me. But um, for the style, I think it works. What are, your, what are your thoughts? The initial taste, I got like this uh, slight peach note that quickly went away. That's, yeah, I, I, I just used a US04 on okay. this one and I fermented it around 67 degrees so I fermented it a little bit on the cooler side it's it's nice like you get that malt forward but it's not like overbearing yeah and it mellows out and it like goes away pretty quickly I think if I were to rebrew this one I would um, dial back the crystal malt a little bit um, it's also pretty light colored in a lot of English malts. You add a little bit of chocolate or carafa, something like that to give it a little bit of color, but I didn't particularly feel like doing that. Some like, uh, some pale chocolate usually. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. But I don't know. I didn't want any, I wanted like no acrid flavor. I could have used, um, like chocolate, chocolate weed or chocolate rye or something like that yeah. I, might, I might do that next time i might play around with that a little bit i'll swear by that chocolate rye yeah my brother's been using that and really liking it too it's so. good stuff where did I, this uh finish at this finished at ooh, that's a good question i don't remember but it was fairly dry okay somewhere it, in the nine nine area no <laughs> not, not 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 like brett uh saison dry just regular dry so um but yeah, I'm I'm happy with it for the most part. I would I would make a few little tweaks, but it's a very drinkable beer. It's easy to have a pint of. It's it's good with with tobacco too. I've I've found a lot of the lower alcohol beers, yeah, go quite well with a with a pipe or a cigar. So 
I've been in, I've been enjoying that combination lately. I mean, it's a good enough beer to talk about it for over four minutes. So there we go. That's, that's <laughs> a good sign. There we go. So, um, what do you guys have going on in the your brewing lives? Uh, I've just dumped a bunch of uh, plums into a Brett, into one Brett saison, and then a bunch of uh, pomace, like the leftover solids from making wine, like the grape skins oh, and, yeah. and flesh and stuff like that, into another Brett saison. So, here in about three months, I should have some tasty fruited of super yeah. dry like my my favorite my go-to stuff classic sv beers yeah absolutely how about you what do you have going on uh, i'm going to be brewing a mystery grain bill that <laughs> that jared uh, did it's, it's along the lines of a porter so I'll, just a little flaked corn yeah in there that we uh milled that got so milled <laughs> that'll, that'll be fun uh, i'm doing that right after this i got a new uh Digiboil system, so I'm looking forward to using the electric for the first time. Okay, so the Digiboil system, that's like a mash and boil type? Yeah. Yeah, but All yours one? is, uh, what's the capacity on this one? 17.9 gallons. Yeah. Good lord. Yeah. So you're doing 10 gallon batches then? Um, I'm going to do this. This one's a 5 gallon batch, but I'm eventually going to be doing either split batches to mess around with some yeast strains. Okay. Um, or I'll just do full 10 gallon batches, or I'll knock out a 5 gallon. I'll probably never do a 2.5 on it yeah yeah just point there, what would, yeah. The reasoning be? would it even cover the heating element i know <laughs> yeah. um but yeah i'm gonna probably do some uh yeast variants and that'll be mess fun around with it a little bit i i love the idea of split batches i'm i'm stuck with a five gallon system at the moment and since i'm brewing out of an apartment that's kind of gonna stay that way <laughs> yeah but um i do love the idea of being able to brew 10 gallons at a time and split down the middle and experiment with all those variables i've only done two 10 gallon batches so far i did a like a, a blue moon clone or a belgian wit clone and then i did a uh an Oktoberfest. okay that was, that was 10 gallons that one was pretty nice nice yeah how about you um let's see so i uh i brewed my first uh new england ipa in like two years yesterday um and I actually got extremely good efficiency. Like I usually f- shoot for 70 and I got about 79. Nice. So I went way over on my gravities, but I guess I'm not too mad about it. Yeah, that's least, fine for a New England. Yeah, it, it, would, it would be bad if I was brewing a mild or something. But yeah. I was shooting for 5%, probably get a little over 6 and that's okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Citra, Amarillo, Mosaic, and uh, Omega Dippa Ale. So nice. What is Dippa Ale? Is that Conan? think that's i'm not sure i think yeah. that's a conan strain so we'll see how that goes uh just threw that all into my new firmzilla which i'm having a lot of issues with but i like i like the equipment itself you like the equipment i just don't like how fucking huge it is yeah it takes up a lot of space <laughs> can't even fit it in my chest freezer so um, you're gonna have to put a collar back on the chest freezer yeah, to fit the firmzilla on it that'll be fun but yeah. at least right now i don't have to worry about trying to keep it cool because it's cold as shit as it is. Yeah. So, so you've got just a uh, like a heating. Yeah, I put a firm wrap around it and uh, attach the probe from the temp control to the side, and just gonna hope for the best. What temperature are you holding it at? About sixty-eight, but I expect I expect it to go higher than that, which okay. is fine. Again, for the style, I think. Yeah, it's okay. yeah. Um, so you're not using the firm wrap to like ferment it hot. No. Okay. No, I'm. Uh, I have it set at sixty-eight, but 
I have the firm wrap on one side and the probe on the other. And I imagine it's going to have to heat all the way through. So it'll probably get a little warmer. It'll get warm, yeah. Yeah. But probably no more than 70-some-odd. Yeah. So. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes, and then I'll figure out the collar situation later. Um, I don't know. I feel like I have a lot of plans for brewing, and I just don't know what I'm brewing next. All right. Yeah. So... Any any plans? Anything in the in the pipeline for you? Like aside from as far your, as brewing, wise? yeah, um, yeah. We're gonna be doing a competition at the end of or sometime in December, so I might do an uh, imperial soon. Oh, that's right. Get that uh, get that going and aging. That's right. Yeah. I haven't found. Uh, I didn't, haven't looked up the uh, BJCP guidelines on on it yet. So it's uh, an imperial stout. Yeah, it's an imperial stout. So I'm going to probably do some research on that and then once i feel like i have a, a good idea on what i want to go with I'll, I'll probably do that i don't know if i want to bottle age it though or just keg edge it yeah me. i might just do half and half i don't i don't know yeah bottle conditioning can be can be a crapshoot just because like if you wind up with a little bit of residual sugar or if your yeast stalls or something like that especially with higher gravity beers mm-hmm. i feel like Bottle conditioning is probably the way to go, but it does introduce some variables. Yeah. And this is coming from someone who bottle conditioned exclusively for almost five years. <laughs> um, but like, there are definitely virtues to it, like the oxygen scavenging nature of, you know, re-fermentation in the bottle. But, yeah, it's just, it can be a little bit inconsistent. You can't dial in that perfect carbonation like you can on a keg. Have you submitted any beers uh, to be judged that you've bottle conditioned? I have, yeah. You have? Yeah. Okay. My my biggest concern is just like... The, the competition lo- gets a gusher. Yeah, <laughs> just a big smack of yeast right in the in the, in their pour. Yeah, yeah. And especially since they kind of let... I mean, if it goes the second round, they have them setting out since the first round. Yep. And I, I feel like it would just like mix in and they, you get some yeast sediment and yeah in a darker beer at least you don't have to worry about losing points for appearance or clarity yeah as far as that's concerned but the yeast is still probably going to have some kind of effect on taste that's that's probably like that and maybe low carb or no carb or i mean i guess i would try try a bottle as it got closer to the competition and yeah. kind of see how it's going make sure it's conditioning up right um, that's a do you oxygenate your work yeah. You do? You use pure O2 or? Um, I just, I have like this uh, kind of like aquarium pump that has a inline okay. filter on it. Okay, yeah, and I yeah. sanitize that and I throw it in for about uh, like two to five minutes and, okay. and let it kind of like froth up. Yeah. I used, uh, I have used pure O2 for, I don't use it on every batch. Um, any Anything that's going to be standard gravity, you know, 10, 50 or lower, I don't bother oxygenating. Mm-hmm. Uh, just when I'm brewing at home, just keeping everything simple and, and streamlined. But um, I just pour aggressively from my uh, from my boil kettle into my fermentation vessel. And that, uh, I do that as well. That, that that froths up enough that I'm convinced it's it's oxygenated well. And I have quick turnaround times. I mean, USO5 will turn around in about eight days. Yeah, that's not bad at all. So I'm not... I'm not worried about getting enough oxygen in those lower gravity beers. But anytime I'm above um, 1050, 1060, I, mm-hmm. I'll bust out the oxygen tank and I'll, I'll, you know, use the wand and hit it with Puro too. 
Yeah, it usually depends on how much I've had a drink by the time that I've, I've, got, <laughs> I've got done brewing. Yep. Uh, and how much effort I want to put into like aerating it and everything like that. Yeah, um, yeah. I either will just let it pour vigorously from the kettle into the fermenter, or if I'm not already trashed and, <laughs> and ready for bed, I'll, I'll, I'll go the extra mile and get out the... Uh, Toss the stone in? The stone in there. And, yeah. And uh, while, I'm, while I'm cleaning up and doing other things, I kind of just let it go for like five minutes, and then I'll pull it out, and I'll... Uh, if I haven't got the, so, I mean, I'll, I'll either pitch the yeast that night if I've gotten the temperature down. Mm-hmm. If not, I'll, I'll leave it overnight. Yeah. And, and if it's where I want to pitch the, the temperature, like the yeast at, then I'll, uh, I'll do it in the morning before I, I usually go to work. Makes sense. Yeah. So you do the no chill then? Um, I do use a immersion chiller, but I've been having problems with it lately. Okay. Um, like it sprung a leak on me last time. Oh shit! In like the middle of it, and in the middle of the actual chiller. Yeah. So it was like leaking water into your work. Yeah, I shit. I caught it early on, but uh, I pulled it out and I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna. I I have a plate chiller. Mm-hmm. I just need to get the uh, quick disconnect fittings for it, and yeah. that'll be my my next go to to use. If only there was some place in town that you could you could purchase those kinds of things. I I, I know. <laughs> I've, I've been trying to get them uh, for a while. I know they're waiting to uh, go through Spike's catalog and uh, see what all they're going to order in. Oh, gotcha. So um, that's going to be on my next purchase. Cool. Other than that, I think I'm pretty set for where I want to be as far as equipment and everything right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, just getting a bunch of brews in with the, uh, with the on all the new equipment, learning the new equipment. That's going to that. be, that's going to be nice, especially in the summertime. You know what kind of efficiency you're getting on your new system? I haven't used it yet. Oh, nice. I literally okay. just took it home yesterday and, and took it out of the box and kind of gazed at it and was like, Hmm, it's going to be fun putting together. Yeah. What were you getting with your, with your old setup? I was getting about 68. Okay. 68, 70. And what was that? That was just a, a brew in a bag. Okay. And yeah. then, uh, so. Did you find, because you've done two and a half gallon batches, right? I've never done a two No, and never? Half. Okay. Because I've, uh, when I've done smaller batches, and my, my brother, he, he does two and a half, three gallon batches, and um, he gets crazy high efficiency for brewing a bag. Does he fly sparch? Oh, just, does just he do any type of sparching a bag. at all? Just squeeze the bag a little bit. Oh. But he's getting like in the high 80s. So is he using a cooler or is he... Immersion chiller, you mean? Uh, no, like a insulated cooler, like a mash done, like... Nope, just mashing in the, uh, kettle. in the kettle and getting crazy, crazy high efficiency numbers. I know people that are get really good numbers, but they usually recirculate the mash. Yep. Does he do that? He stirs the mash. He stirs it? Yep, and that's that's what I do too, and I get I get decent... I get around seventy-eight or eighty percent efficiency mm-hmm. usually with a with brewing the bag on a five-gallon batch. Nice. But the fact that he was getting higher numbers than me was really ticking me off because I knew my, <laughs> I was grinding my grain finer too, you know. So it's like I should be getting higher efficiency because I've got my own grain mill and I've got it set a little finer than a little finer than than the the shop does, and he okay. gets all of his grain uh, here. But um, yeah, it's crazy, um, and I know people who've made the jump from. Five gallon brew in a bag to ten gallon brew in a bag. We all good on the cool, and uh, and have noticed a loss in efficiency when they move up to ten gallon mm. brew in a bag. So I might just do a couple uh, 
like a couple five gallons just to dial in my efficiency before jumping up to a 10 gallon that might be that might be interesting probably informative yeah i'll say (laughs) (laughs) jared has to has to go downstairs and be a businessman sometimes so it's worth it we uh we, we keep it rolling we keep it rolling proud of you guys yeah yeah i mean if i don't go make the sales then we lose our studio so uh here we are um so we just uh, finished our glasses of the mile. Do you guys want to crack something else? Absolutely. Do you have your um, American Light Lager? Yeah. I, That'd probably be a good follow-up, right? Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll grab a bottle right now. Anyone got an opener? Mm-hmm. You know I always do. I know. I know I should. <laughs> so this is, uh, this is your Miller Light clone? Uh, it's more along the lines of... Ultra. Yeah. This I was... did bottle these on Friday, but it looks like it's holding carbonation pretty well. Yeah, so I was uh, drinking some Michelob Ultra <laughs> with some friends uh, a couple months ago, and I realized, as much as I hate it... Um, it has its place. It does. It absolutely does. And I wanted something like that on tap. So uh, I set out to brew an American light lager. Uh, I shot for 3.8% and landed right on that number. So Well done. Yeah. It's been a while since I hit all of my numbers. Starting yeah. gravity, final gravity, ABV. Doesn't happen. Nice. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm pretty what was, pleased with What it. was your yeast strain? Uh, it was the Budweiser. Budweiser strain. It the, was uh, the Budweiser strain. WLP eight forty American Lager. Okay, is that really the uh, yeah. source from Budweiser? Um, what's the the technical word? Um, presumably or oh, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, That's funny. Yeah. It's cool. Did you? Uh, what, what, what's the Beechwood filter? <laughs> <laughs> this, yeah. This lager. Beechwood aged. Beechwood aged. That's it. Yeah. Uh, no, I I did not age on Beechwood. It smells. It smells great. It's clearing up a little bit too. I did not cold condition this at all, so you know. Oh, I love the taste of that. That is so clean and so crisp. Yeah. Yep, that's what happens when you that's ferment a lager crushable. at lager temperatures. Super crushable. <laughs> Killing it with these lagers, Jared. Yeah, uh, I'm doing all right. It's got a a, a really nice yeast character. I, it uh, does. This you said this was eight forty, I believe eight forty. Okay, damn. I need to. I need to do a lager, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's time, Sean. I know. I know. I've done warm fermented lagers. Never done a cold fermented lager. It's time. I know. I know. Damn. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> Normally, I'm against it, but I wanted to. Uh, it's been a while since I did a traditional lager, so I did. What What are I your like What are your thoughts on the warm versus cold uh, fermented lagers? Uh, I am an avid listener of Brewlosophy. Likewise. And, yeah. uh, they have done a lot of research on the matter and I'm going to take their word for it that you just really can't fucking tell the difference. Yeah. Um, I've brewed a lot of lagers and fermented ale temps and thought they turned out clean. The only people that have objected knew the difference before they made their opinion. Yep. yep. So, uh, I'm just going to call bullshit on that <laughs> and say they were pretty good lagers. So, yeah. Um, but again, there is a, a time and place for traditional means. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like I like setting a beer in a cave for two months and just letting it condition and uh, 
seeing how clear it is after all that uh, patience. It's yeah, it's rewarding. Yeah. Totally. This one, I didn't have any beer on tap, and I had a keg full of lockers. So, so I just, it, it went on tap. It went on tap. Yeah, absolutely. I did ferment cold. I just did not locker it. So I'm currently in the uh, very satisfying uh, place where I've got uh, all three of my tap handles full, and I've got one keg like ready to go. Got a backup. Damn. I got a backup keg ready to ready to hook up as soon as one of them kicks. That's the dream. So. I just uh, <laughs> finished my my keyser build. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm trying to get up to four taps. Well, I have room for three five gallons or two five gallons and two two and a half gallons. So I might just go the three five gallon route just to get it all filled up and then start doing some weird shit in the two and a half gallon size. Yeah. Some more seltzers or something. You are the seltzer king. I've done one, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I hear Pitzer made a pretty good one and he really loved the process. Yeah, I, I bet. I mean, everyone, Pitzer, if you're listening. Everyone who... All the pro brewers who have uh, who have made seltzers seem to have mixed feelings about the endeavor. <laughs> uh, I don't know about all of them. I know most one of them that seem to just uh, be all right with the capitalism aspect of it. So. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Uh, um, but yeah, I mean, you got to adapt to survive in today's market. So mm-hmm. props to to Kyle for doing what he didn't want to. And yeah, exactly. Appealing to his fan base. Something, yeah, something, something. Um, appealing to the masses yeah pretty much yeah. i like how uh he was very adamant like this might not ever happen again this might not yeah yeah <laughs> i appreciate that yeah not that pitzer listens to our podcast but you know yeah um so yeah sorry i missed khaleesi's whole spiel on what's in the pipeline oh uh, he was so. uh talking about the new system mostly is what we spent our our time bullshitting about was the all of our oh we're talking about that porter that i was going to do that's right. Oh, yeah, flaked yeah. corn. Yeah. Yep. I'm going to be doing that after you this. You should call that the flaked corn porter, but K-O-R-N. <laughs> Get that local hometown yeah, connection. Exactly. <laughs> All, right. All right. That's a good idea. Um, yeah, I don't know what yeast I want to go with yet, just because I'm not 100% sure what's in the grain bill. It's probably going to be a never, like, I'd never do this beer again because I don't know what's in it. I do remember, like, the customers that... Uh, whose recipe I botched with that bag. So I can ask them if they still have the recipe next time I see them. <laughs> so you can find out what exactly. If, I, it, if it comes out good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if not, no worries. Yeah, I just won't bother them with it. Um, but yeah, that's fun. Uh, I knew the danger of opening a homebrew shop. That was probably going to happen eventually. The the, uh, the mixed grain. Yeah, exactly. Because I know like uh, some of the other shops, they like they sell their wonder grain, yep. and it's literally just like we fucked up someone's ingredients, so here's, we're selling them for cheap. Here's grain for <laughs> half price. Exactly. Yeah. So that's essentially what happened. I was like, "Hey, Cleese, do you want to brew a beer for me?" And there, there we go. There you are. Can't wait to see how that turns out. I'm always the go-to. Hey, you want to brew this for me? <laughs> You want to try something weird? You guys are too busy. <laughs> yeah, really. It's the truth. So um, there's a festival coming up in April. There is. Uh, country and craft beer, which the home brewers have once again been invited to uh, pour their beers at. So um, any ideas what you guys are bringing? I don't know exactly what I'm going to bring yet. I'm tempted to do like an extra session beer. Like one of those low alcohol beers that's like 1.3% alcohol or something like that. Um, I don't 
We talked about doing. We talked uh, about even an doing NA. an NA. Yeah, that would be that would be interesting to do. If I don't do that, I'll probably do just like a single hop pale ale. I've been really enjoying. It's it's super basic, but you know, just using you know Chico yeast USO five or WLP yeah one right yeah and just and uh, all two row or. Almost all two row. I use two point five percent melanoid and malt because oh. melanoid and malt is king. Um, yeah, I mean it's king as far as malts, but it doesn't quite replace the process of decoction. So, it, it completely you know, and one hundred percent replaces the process of decoction. Uh, no, you did one recently uh, with your dad, right? Yeah. Uh, what was cashmere? It? Oh, cashmere. That's it. Yeah, yep. and it turned out really good. It was it was really good. We got crazy high efficiency. I don't know if the grain, if my grain mill was different or something. But we got very high efficiency, uh, so it wound up being around 7.2, 7.3% ABV. And um, not like hopped. I used 8 ounces of cashmere, including a 3-ounce dry hop. Damn. Um, but the uh, it's it, I found it's not a hop that necessarily is like overwhelmingly hoppy on its own. So okay. it definitely has like, I mean, you've tried it, and I think you'd agree with this. It's, it's hopped at more of a pale ale rate. It just happens to be 7.2. 7.3 percent yeah <laughs> um doesn't taste that percent at all either it's it's a very smooth easy drinker i would definitely brew with with cashmere as a single hop again but yeah that was my dad's first time brewing and yeah. he he, he now, seems to know what he's doing all of a sudden yeah yeah exactly <laughs> he now tells everyone that he's uh that he's an experienced yeah. uh brewer and can take any of their questions on the matter oh, yeah. he has fun with it so oh man but he a, he did character. he did get into the he did get into the process quite a bit and like he understands he he fully grocks everything from you know I mean honestly grain to glass so. I, I've seen him he he knows science yeah and like yeah his brain definitely that works that yeah. way so okay that's the best way to phrase it yeah I don't know what I'm saying with my words <laughs> um, uh, 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 so what hop are you thinking you're gonna do next. Whatever I have too much of in my freezer, I've still got ah. a big. I've, I've still got a backlog of hops I've got to get through, man. I might do sriracha ace again. Oh man, that'd be nice. <laughs> um, Japanese this, lager. Uh, yeah, honestly. Well, I mean, like you did that Japa Mexic. Japa Mex American. I was so close. Yeah, uh, and that turned out pretty good. Yeah, uh, for what it was. Yeah. So the <laughs> Japa Mex American was. Uh, Japanese hops, sriracha ace, Mexican lager yeast, and like an American lager, you know, uh, grain, grain, yeah, bill. grain bill. So it it was definitely a bastard child. But it worked out though. It tasted it tasted pretty good. That was a while ago. That was too. a while ago. That was when I was exclusively bottle conditioning still yeah. too. So it was all bottle conditioned. I think uh, I think you brought that to the Eureka meeting. Maybe which yeah, was years ago. Yeah. So. Um. No, we have this uh, experimental hop, HBC 342. Oh, I have some of that. I should do yeah. something with it. I think I'm going to do a, a single hop with it. Uh, I think I'll go full smash, actually, with some Viking Extra Pale. Okay. Um, but, I mean, it sounds like it has just really good descriptors. So, mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel like it's time to do something with it. You could do a blonde with that. Yeah, I've absolutely. got enough of it to do a blonde. Oh, you got like a two ounce? Two ounce, yeah. yeah. So I bitter with something neutral like Warrior or whatever, and then I mean it's almost eleven percent alpha, so you yeah. can just go like quarter ounce, half ounce of that. And yeah, it works. Rest at the end. Do a do a true smash. Yeah. 
Let me steal a little bit of that water as well. Well, you guys want to take a quick break uh, and then come back to this in a couple minutes? Sure thing. Yeah. All right. We shall return. And we're back. Hello, hello. Thank hello. you for the patience, even though to you it was really only like two seconds. Um, so, Stephen, what did you get from Dio? I picked up a cream haze L. I haven't uh, had too many cream L's. And it's something that I'm thinking about doing for the festival. So I kind of wanted to dabble with it a little bit and kind of get an idea as to how it should taste. What festival? The Craft and Country Festival. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> um, cool, cool, man. A cream ale. That's another one I haven't brewed yet. Um, never never was big on them, really. I. It's not a style that... I've brewed one and felt no desire to brew or refine it. Yeah, uh, it just—it's just not a style that that really does anything for me. Yeah, um, I can appreciate good examples of it, just like with any you know beer style, yeah, like any any traditional style. That's yeah, not that's not necessarily my my cup of tea. But yeah, I'm with you. Uh, but I gotta say, like stuff like Cali Creamin, while it is not a cream ale, yeah. it's like the best cream ale I've had. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just a vanilla bomb. It's got something in it. Yeah. yeah. So I think cream ale's just—it's always lacking for me. Mm-hmm. So. But yeah, I mean, this one smells. Uh, so you guys mentioned lactose. Yep, smells like lactose. Smells. I smells a little bit like vanilla as well. Oh, definitely. Oh yeah. Yep, in the taste, definitely as well. Yeah, this kind of reminds me of Cali Creamin. Yeah, least. it really does. I don't know if that's because you just said that beforehand, but it's a it's a vanilla bomb. It's got sure. the it's got the almost corny taste on the back. I picked up some corn on the nose too. Yeah. But that's traditional for Oh yeah, totally. Else, so. Totally. It's definitely like to style in that yeah, regard. Yeah, it's not offensive. But it's got a almost like a dry like a corn cereal corn flakes uh finish to me. So I could see that, yeah. Yeah. Not bad at all. What were we drinking yesterday? Um anthrax or something anthrax uh, <laughs> we shouldn't be drinking anthrax don't no, drink uh, anthrax kids <laughs> the cans down there i think it was um um just anthra or anthra yeah something uh he picked up a can from bottle logic i'll run down and pick it up in a second but um not bottle logic uh bbc bbc bottle logic um <laughs> and uh it smells and tastes like fruity pebbles. It was what? Yeah, it's called a, a tropical, like a super ultra, ultra tropical, ultra tropical IPA. IPA. Okay, and it was West Coast IPA, but it just it was nice. It was fruity pebbles all the way. That's crazy. It was good. I like that a lot. They really, probably put fruity pebbles in the mash. That's I, how you get it to taste like fruity pebbles. You know, you put, I'm gonna you have put to try cereal that. in the mash. Yeah, on yeah the of course. Nose. That's what a cereal mash. That's is. what a cereal mash is. Yeah, yeah, that's where you put put Count Chocula in the mash tun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wish they would. Uh... <laughs> It would put like the hops they used in it. They just kind of went to like all those galaxy sciencey talk, but nothing about the beer itself. The actual hops that were used. Yeah. Okay. They literally just said true to like a West Coast. Okay. And that was it. Nothing about the hops. Nothing about the grain that went into it. Damn. Yeah. Too so bad. that was that was that was a little unfortunate. So we can only presume that it was fruity pebbles in the mash tun that that gave it its particular flavor. It had to be. It, it had really to be. Did. Yeah, you can't get those kind of flavors through hops. No, definitely not. Impressionable children who are listening, please resist the urge to put cereal in your mash tun. Actually, don't resist. Do it. <laughs> Experiment. We're homebrewers. That's what we do. Are you against cereal mashes? 
I'm against putting literal cereal in a mash tun. I, I don't know. That that seems like a, a bridge too far to me. Hey, let's collab. Let's do one. Oh, my God. You're, every time I collab with you, you make me do something I, I don't do, want to do. And I'm very proud you of it. You make me use a decoction mash. You make me do some stupid thing. Uh, what was it last time? It Partigal. was the uh, Partigal, yeah. Partigal, yeah. What you wanted to I do? I wanted to do Partigal. Yeah. That was just, I mean, it was a pain in the ass, but I was I was down for that one at least. I actually brought a bottle of the Belgian, oh. but I don't know if we want to crack that. So it's, It is can, strong. It is. What was it, 10? 10% or so. Yeah. Something yeah. Like that. Sounds like a good time. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Should have started with it, damn. Yeah, exactly. Just blow our palettes completely out <laughs> at the very at the very get go. It did turn out really good though. I'm I'm really happy with that. I'm happy with that too. Yeah. It Gotta was do a, another part of gal. Yeah. Yeah. One of these days. Because the, the Saison was solid. Yeah. It was little, gone really quick too. Yeah. I think I think doing like a uh, a Belgian Golden Strong and then doing like a another farmhouse sale, I think that would be with the with the second runnings, I think that would be really good. That was my only complaint about the Saison was it had some malt character that felt, to me, to be out of style. Yeah. It was still a really good tasting beer, but it... It was definitely a different... It tasted different a little bit breed. wrong in my brain. <laughs> That's <laughs> but, fair. But it was good. It was it was a really good beer. Um, I'm actually going to be placing an Omega order here soon. They have a Lithuanian farmhouse ale yeast. Oh, shit. So, I don't know. I was thinking about grabbing one and doing another Saison, but... Doing that with the second runnings? I don't know if I'm gonna do another party gal. No, but I mean, no. If we were, if we were gonna do another saison, yeah, I'd say let's do something because we did Saisenstein's monster on the last yep. one. Yeah, and that I, turned out that a really turned good out really good character. Yeah. But I'm curious. Uh, the Lithuanian, it seems uh, more citrus forward. Uh, okay, uh, slightly phenolic, but not like crazy phenolic. Okay, so um, I don't know. Might be something fun to uh, maybe do that and um, go uh, go a little bit heavy with like mandarina bavaria or something like that and get that convergence of yeast and hop character i like it yeah that'd be a good beer it's almost like you work in the brewing industry <laughs> you know these things yeah man keep your eyes peeled for uh for the sours coming from Tembler. because we know the guy that makes those yeah and he apparently knows what he's doing kind of kind of you can accidentally make good sours. I can, yeah, every t- every time I make a sour good, it's an accident. I just have really good luck. Yeah, really. That's <laughs> all it is. That's all it takes. All right. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so what are you brewing for the festival? Oh, that's a really, really good question. Um, that presumes a really good answer. <laughs> there will be some time in the next three months. I'm just not sure I have it right now. Um like I said earlier, I've got a few ideas for what I want to brew next. Uh, a buddy from Arizona is going to be here uh, before the end of the month. Uh, we're going to do an Imperial Stout, but I don't see that going to the festival. Um, I don't know. I might do a Porter, which I know I did a Porter like two years ago for the same festival. Uh, Old might, Reliable. Yeah, I might do the same Porter, actually. Um <laughs> But I You'd also, probably make one guy really happy. Yeah, like right. one guy who remembers it from two years ago. He's like, "Oh, I can't believe they have it." Again. I didn't think it was gonna be here. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's either that or uh, I got some Munich Hellas yeast, some expired White Labs Munich Hellas yeast. So okay. I might just uh, build a starter up and brew it, let it actually condition for a couple months. And yeah, have a crystal clear lager. That'd be cool. But I don't know. I might not. Yeah, I might just brew it two weeks before and ferment at 68 and bring it out hazier than hell do it 
hazy we'll lagers. You just yeah, never that's, know that's with the trend. <laughs> I, it seems like a lot of Jared's brewing decision process and like creative genesis of ideas is driven by what expired yeast is laying around. Yeah, the yeah. Shop Mostly what I brew is. <laughs> that's exactly it. Uh, we have like nine different expired uh, New England strains that I was going to put all in one starter. Oh, my God. Uh, but I realized Friday that I hadn't done it yet, and I was brewing the New England the next day. So I didn't get around to it. But I'm probably still going to build a starter and just do another New England next month or something like that. Two, two years from now. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> have to do another starter on it. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's literally like, uh, let's see, Barbarian uh 644 the sackbrook's straw yeah um the one that they used to think was yeah brett. used to be considered brett but it's just a wild sack strain um what else was in there there's a bunch of white lab stuff um you had some expired i think london fog in there yeah well, that's right there's them. a couple london fogs some 008 uh east coast ale maybe uh just a bunch of stuff i wanted to be weird with it yeah and i didn't Make something completely unreplicatable. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> ten. I tend to do that. So, oh well. Yeah, I don't know. We'll figure out what I'm brewing in the next two months. So I had uh, one beer. The beer that's currently on deck, ready to go on tap as soon as one of my kegs kicks. I was gonna do be a little bit more interesting with it than I wound up being. More interesting than you already are with your beer. Yes. Well, then I was with this particular beer. What so kind of beer is this? What it, it's a smash beer. It's uh, 100% um, red active. That's the Viking, right? Yeah. Red active. And, um, oh shit, what was the hop? Chinook. Okay. Uh, and I was, because I've had really good luck with Chinook playing well with coffee. I was going to... That's uh, right. You I, were going to do a coffee red. Yeah, I was going to do a coffee red. I was going to dry bean the, uh, the coffee... Uh, I was going to, like, roast some fresh coffee. I was going to use, like, an Ethiopian uh, bean, roast it pretty light. You've got a couple pounds of some uh, I do. green S- Sadamo. Ethiopian yeah. beans. Yep. One of those pounds <laughs> will be yours as soon as I get around to roasting it. Yeah, no rush. Um, that was funny. But, yeah, I was going to use some of that Ethiopian Sadamo, uh, roast it really light, and then, like, 48 hours after roasting the coffee, I was going to uh, dry bean. That's the dream right there. That- but... I didn't do any of that. I just kegged the red. <laughs> so that that really that I hope I hope you guys enjoyed the story of what <laughs> did not come to pass. Came out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That tends to happen a lot. Yeah. So I just I just went. I think it'll still be a good like red. Oh, I'm pale sure. Ale. Yeah. yeah, that right. red active makes it's honestly a really clean like neutral flavor kind of cool. uh, grain malt. Yeah, I, don't know, I was thinking yeast because uh, <laughs> Stu did a, a Kolsch, a red Kolsch with oh, that's 100% cool. that. And it turned out really Oh, he good. did 100% red active on yeah, that one as well? I'm pretty sure. Okay, 80% nice. 80% sure now. Um, but yeah, that turned out really good. So it, it's not like, uh, it's not caramely or anything like that. It's yeah. just. I've been wanting to do a 100% like enzymatically available red malt beer ever since uh, Kern River Brewing did. I can't remember which one it was. It might have been one of their th- earlier think tanks, or it might have just been a one-off that Kern River Brewing did about two and a half, three years ago with uh, Red X. Yeah. <laughs> uh, funny story. The first time I met uh, Kyle Smith, I was yeah. sitting at BBC, yeah. and I was talking to Tim and Tara about yeah. something, and uh, 
I had bought a Smog City beer and I was sharing it with people and he was literally right next to me. And mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, they must have used Red X in this. I was like, oh, so you're a brewer? And he's like, <laughs> yeah, I brew over it lengthwise right now. I'm like, oh, shit, you're Kyle Smith. Damn, I feel like an idiot. <laughs> That's hilarious. I know, dude. It's like haunted me to this day. So, Good times, good times. Another person that probably doesn't listen to our podcast. Yep, <laughs> especially after that. Yeah, right? <laughs> Well, speaking of uh, Kern River Brewing, do we want to crack? Oh, yeah, yeah. We have um, Lahazy River. I feel like that's probably that's not how, how it's, it's pronounced. But well, that's it's, how it's, it's just like you have to pronounce church, church, because <laughs> they have the extra U's in there, you know? Hmm. Hazy IPA. <sighs> All right, we'll, uh, we'll crack that right now. Stylish new beanie accessory on. Jared is wearing his uh, Central Valley Homebrew Supply beanie over his headphones. It's cold. It's a look. It certainly is. Yeah, this is nice and warm now, too. I'm sure that's how you're supposed to drink these. Yeah. Of course. All right. Got to give these guys props, though. Uh, winning brewery group of the year, and then and when like they had like four, four medals G- at uh, G- medals, that's so crazy. Yeah, but I was... mean, they're deserving. They're oh, yeah. they're killing it over there. So I can smell the hops from a foot and a half away, man. Who's the head brewer at KRBC right now? I have no fucking clue. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I have no idea. Um, I know uh, the assistant brewer took over when Smith left. But yeah. I think they've gone through a few since then. Yeah, I'm so, not. I'm not sure who is. But yeah, they've, I tracked. At no point uh, did it feel like the quality of beer no, dropped that, off. Exactly. Like, Even was, Citra maintained being yeah. as solid as ever. So they, uh, whatever they're doing over there, they're doing good stuff. They're very consistent, and that's that's a tough thing to do, and that's admirable in the uh, in the brewing industry. As home brewers, we have the. Uh, we have the luxury, or I should say, when I am home brewing, yeah. I have the uh, I have the luxury of you know just kind of winging it and doing whatever I want to do and yeah, not you, not worrying about repeatability. Exactly. But in the in the pro brewing uh, sector, like having that uh, consistency, and that's something when I do brewery tours at Tembler, you know, and I talk about like temperature control and like process and all that. I I that's one of the things I stress is consistency is super vital oh yeah and that's that's why all that extra care is gone to i mean if it's just a beer you're drinking yourself or with friends and you're just trying things and you're learning and it's your hobby like you have you have the luxury of never brewing the same thing twice and that's kind of when i'm brewing for fun at home that's kind of what i do is i never brew the same thing twice yeah that i am absolutely right there with you i've rebrewed a couple but for a long time i didn't um and i was very proud of the fact that I was like, I don't have to ever brew it again. Yeah. I don't know. Once you get a couple good recipes, it's kind of like, no, I kind of want to, but well, and changing uh, variables is something I really like. I using that same 97.5% two row and 2.5% melanoid and malt base that I use. I use that for blondes and I use that for pale ales and keeping that the same, but changing the hot profile. It's a, it's a fantastic way 
to um, really explore your hops and you can really get to know a hop, especially if you do a single hop variety or if you're wanting to play with combinations of hops. It's a really good way to get to know um, your your ingredients is to have some kind of a base and then experiment with it that way. So like on one hand, I, I guess I am technically repeating myself, but I'm playing with variables. You're very much doing the think tank thing. Yeah. Their, their yeah, whole yeah. thing is uh, they use the same grain bill on yeah. all of them. They're just changing the hops. Yeah, that's um, uh, Firestorm Walker does that too with uh, Luponic, Luponic right? Distortion. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, there's some. There have been some that are really that really knock it out of the park. There have been a few. Um, I think Eleven was a little bit overly bitter to me. Um, what are we on now? Fourteen on Luponic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, oh God, I've 14. missed like nine of them. So yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't buy commercial beer often anymore. Yeah, I try and get a Luponic every time it comes out. Getting one six pack every ninety days isn't killing me. Yeah, but. that's true. But like that money, I end up spending on Black Butte or something. Yes. Yeah. yeah you six and, pack of Black Butte. I'm like you and wow, Black I'm Butte, having man. Black Butte tonight. <laughs> that's a solid beer. Um, Have you ever considered brewing a clone of Black Butte? Um, you know what. A long time ago, like before I really knew how to put a recipe together, I had looked it up and there is one available through the AHA. Um, oh, nice. And uh, I still have it like bookmarked somewhere. And uh, I've thought about it, but like I said, I've got a good porter recipe that you I feel like. like if I'm brewing a porter, I, I probably lean towards mine. Okay. Not that it's better, just that it's, it's mine. It's your, it's, is it more to your taste you find than Black Butte or just, it's just different and you have like a possessiveness about it? Yeah, it's more the possessiveness. It's the, right. the human nature of all of it. Um, I love Black Butte. I love to shoots, but mm-hmm. uh, I created something that I really like. Yeah. And my first few batches sucked. So <laughs> like going from that to making a beer that I feel like brewing multiple times. Oh I'll, yeah. I'll keep brewing it. So what's everybody's thoughts on the lazy river? It's, it's life. I like it. It's not super bitter. Read some of the can there, Stephen. <laughs> okay, maybe it's a little of both. We combined boatloads of mosaic, citra, and amarillo. With that a combination high- sounds very familiar. Yeah, we know that combination. <laughs> with a high-protein mash to make this New England-style IPA the perfect beer for kicking back and watching the word float by. Happy, juicy, and oh-so- Lahazy. 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 Hashtag Lahazy. Hashtag Lahazy. It's good. It's it's really solid. It doesn't have that hot burn that a lot of hazies have Mm -hmm. that really burnt me out on Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Where do you think that hot burn comes from? Uh, You know what? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I feel like a lot of people strive to leave as much sediment floating around in their beer as possible. So just like vegetative matter? I think it's actual like hot debris. Yeah. Um, and it isn't appealing. Yeah. It's gross. Yeah. And I mean, like, there's enough science to support that the haze doesn't come from sediment. So yeah. Yeah. At this point, just filter your beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. Um, I know there are commercial hazy beers that mm-hmm. are centrifuge, that are, you know, filtered. Yeah. Like you New can... Belgium and. Um, uh, Firestone, their mind yep. haze. Yeah, yep. there's a oh, little haze, hazy little thing. Hazy little Sierra. thing. That's yep. another one. Yeah, so it can be done. Um, and oddly enough, those beers seem to have a better shelf life for some reason too. Yeah, how strange. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think at this point, beers with hot burn are just coming from 
brewers that haven't done any of the research recently or they're lazy maybe or just brewing out of like a traditional word of mouth understanding that's a few years out of date exactly yeah Yeah. that's what i'm saying like at this point there's research to be done Mm -hmm. um which i did before brewing this new england um it's not that hard it's been around a couple years it's an official style now so yeah yeah there's no excuse for hot burn and something that's supposed to be soft and juicy and not Hot burning. Not astringent yeah, and exactly. vegetative. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Would you ever get into filtering your beers? Yeah. I've actually thought about buying, um, we have this beer wine filter here that I've thought about just, you know, you hook up to both kegs and mm-hmm. it just runs it through. Um, but I don't know. There's other things to waste my money on right now. So I hear you on that one. I'm waiting for someone to come out with a homebrew sized uh, centrifuge. <laughs> Because, yeah, I, I see that thing running at, at Tumblr, and I'm like, ooh, shiny. I know, you know? Right? <laughs> it's Like, you, there's there's definitely a different quality to beers that have been, that yeah. have been centrifuged. Like, How big is that? What's the capacity on it? Oh, they run, they run, um, they can run a whole bright beer tank through it. Is that how it works? It's, uh, you, like, just hook it up, and you, like... You run one line in, one line out. So, yeah. like, as it spins, it's also pushing out. Yeah. It's not, like... Yeah. Just in there for a little bit. It's in there for a little bit, but it's, it's like, moving through, okay. as I understand it. I don't run the, the centrifuge. I never was, right. was trained yeah. on that when I was, when I was there, but, um, yeah, it's a, it's a great piece of equipment, and it, it definitely contributes to... So, could you hook up a five-gallon keg to it? <laughs> <laughs> or would that just like oxidize everything? I think it would probably with that with that small amount. I don't know how much beer you would wind up getting out of the centrifuge <laughs> if you only put five gallons in. Fair enough, because um, that is something that is usually calculated in the barrels rather than the gallons. <laughs> so probably overkill. Um, but yeah, a homebrew uh, homebrew centrifuge centrifuge get on get on it. Uh, I'll look stem, into stem majors out there. Yeah, really. Huh? Yeah, make it happen. I feel like it, it's got to be, like, right there. Somebody's probably already like, shut up, Sean. It's almost here. Yeah, yeah. Again, doubtful that that person listens to the podcast, but, you know, not I rolling can, it out. We're we're not too far off from uh, homebrew scale canning, you know? Yeah, actually, it's it's pretty popular now. And, um, I don't know, there's there's options available for that kind of system. And yeah. we're doing our research on it, so. yeah. You guys gonna yeah. get a canner and rent it out? That'd be it, cool. That'd be dope as shit. We're man. not ruling it out. It's a it's a possibility. Just um, not right now. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, and they come in different sizes too. You can do the crowler size. Mm-hmm. You can do the 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 nineteen point two, the sixteen. Yeah, that's weird. Nineteen point two. It's something in uh, metric, isn't it? Yeah, probably. That's probably. I, I can't. I can't imagine it being that weird <laughs> ass number. Let's just go nineteen point two ounces. <laughs> it's got to be something important in metric. One pint, three point two ounces. Yeah, I like it. Nice even number. You dig in the uh, La Hazy? Oh, I think he hates it. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't find like there's too many IPAs that I thoroughly enjoy, and it's actually a really crushable beer. Yeah. yeah. I think it's not that high in alcohol either. I think uh, this one's 7. Yeah. 7.1? Okay. Not too shabby. Especially for Kern River Brewing. They they tend to like their IPAs and pale ales in that 7 7 area. (laughs) It's definitely, because I do go uh, tubing Mm -hmm. in the summertime, so it's definitely like something that I would pick up. For For tubing? Yeah. Uh, Last time I went tubing, I did uh, Pacifico all day. 
<laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Wasn't too bad. Nice. I definitely recommend Pacifico. Pacifico's a really good, um, like, nice, neutral, easy, easy to drink. It's a cerveza. It's a solid. It's a solid example of the style for sure. Is it a pilsner? No, it's a it's a Mexican lager. Is it okay? Yeah, Modelo's a pilsner though. No. Wait. Yes. No. Well, I mean, in the sense that a, a oh. lager yeast is used, it's a it's a pilsner. Well, they they deem it as a, a pilsner on the bottle. They call I, it pilsner. Modelo, they do. I feel yeah. like that's false. Huh. I, I feel like that's not correct. But <laughs> I mean, they may put it on the bottle. I don't feel like it fits into a pilsner's guidelines whatsoever. Oh, yeah, by by any. Be a Vienna lager, maybe. Yeah, if it was BJCP, probably closer to a Vienna, which lager. Mexican lager. Yeah. Which I'm surprised there isn't a BJCP for that because it's not the same. A there's, Vienna lager and a Mexican lager. Yeah, the, you can. There's a difference. There's for a sure. difference, definitely. But I mean, you can definitely like trace the history and like. Yeah, see. absolutely. Yeah, you, it's you closer it than anything from. else. Uh, but. but you can totally put that into the Mexican lagers like style guidelines derived mm-hmm. from a Vienna lager, but yeah. it's not a Vienna lager. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like every seven years is not often enough to be like doing BJCP guidelines. They need to be doing it. A little more frequently. I think that's just. I think that's probably just really hard on the judges, right? Having to learn new style guidelines. Well, on I mean, regular like, and... it's not like they have to change everything because a lot of them are pretty accurate. Yeah, yeah. Just like add a few yeah. here and there. But that's just me. Do they? I'm not going to do it. So. Are uh, Italian loggers in the BJCP style no, guidelines? Okay. Not currently, because I remember I just, for whatever reason, typed all of the different um, styles out on piece of paper that i have downstairs and uh it was not on there so okay that's it 2015 is the last time they updated so yeah that makes sense i feel like that's a very recent style like peroni or whatever yeah yeah what do you think about that i don't think i've even had it i i haven't either i i it's something i'm certainly interested in and i like if you see it let me know we'll do we're gonna take a day trip to uh, luigi's they have it there yeah, let's go. We'll finish the podcast over at Luigi's. <laughs> we'll bring, sure they won't bring the soundboard in and all that. Yeah, yeah. Or we can just record it on our phones or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, man. What else is going on these days? Do we have more events? Got we a... have a camping trip coming up for oh, yeah. paid is... foam members. So, uh, technically speaking, insurance is already like in effect as of like last September. But there are options to add people late so if you're still interested in joining bakersfield foam the local home brewing group uh you should let me know drop off your payment to the shop uh it's four dollars if you want to come to the meetings uh just to cover your insurance and then if you're interested in going to a camping trip for three days two nights with a bunch of uh a bunch of alcohol really um yeah. yeah 20 bucks will get you in and it'll be a good time so reach out what else we got a competitions what's the what's going on there um yeah for bakersfield phone members as well uh we're doing uh quarterly competitions the first one being march something we don't know the date yet but we're doing an american porter so uh again if you're interested in joining the group and you want to participate in a small competition i don't there's no prize as of yet but that may change. Um, yeah, just for uh, the hell of it, uh, join up and brew an American Porter by March. And yeah, you should get like a rotating trophy. 
like whoever is currently holding the cool. the top spot gets to gets the trophy, gets the plaque they can hang up. That's a there. great idea. And then so, they have to give it back if somebody else wins the next quarterly competition. It moves yeah, on. Yeah, it, it really like motivates you to brew all your beers. Yeah, really well. I like that. Um, so yeah, March is an American Porter. June I think is an IPA, just American IPA. Um, September is an Oktoberfest, and December that's is that's the wood aged uh, sour beer, right? Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't talk anybody into doing that, unfortunately. Guys. No, you really couldn't. <laughs> Uh, and December, we're going to do an Imperial Stout. So, Do we have uh, judges lined up for these events yet? Negative. But I'm sure I'll be one of them. Uh, so you're not competing? I don't know. Maybe I will. <laughs> Get stewed to judge. It's not like I know. They don't like tell you whose beer is whose. So. You know which beer is your beer. I'm I might. Sure. <laughs> I might. Get Stu to judge this one. Um, I'll talk to Stu, see if he's interested. Uh, maybe we could alternate and then have, uh, the crusader guys help us out or BBC help us out. Like both have done in the past or, uh, any home brewers that don't want to brew for the competitions might be able to get into judging. So if that's you, Uh, maybe, maybe we'll see. Who knows? Maybe I'll, maybe I'll brew a, it's a American Porter, right? American Porter. Yeah. That sounds fun. It is fun. That sounds fun. Brew that, uh, Black Butte clone. Yeah. No, I'm going to, I don't know. Maybe I'll play with the, I still got some Chinook and I really do like, Chinook is like the most American tasting hop to me. It's kind of raspy. It's kind of piney. I don't know. I might do, yeah, I might do something with Chinook for an American. It's more American than Columbus. Equally American. It's literally named after the man who founded Columbus. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's another debatable story. Yeah, um, we gotta get we gotta get a hop named after. Was it Leif Erikson, the the Viking yeah. that landed first? Turns out. Yeah, I'm I'm good with that. Yeah, Erikson, Erikson Erikson Pe- pellets. Yeah, I don't know. Sounds like a Troger Traeger. Would the grill? The oh Traeger. yeah yeah yeah. Traeger. That's it. Traeger. Okay. That's it. Yeah, it sounds more like a, a wood pellet than a hot than pellet, a hot pellet. Yeah. Oh whatever. Figure it out. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think that's all I've got for announcements. Um, uh, we have more beer. Do you guys want to do more sampling or do we want to try our, um, uh, we've, the only one we haven't tried, right? Is the strong, <laughs> the Belgian, Oh, the, the Belgian, Belgian. we've got the Belgian, we've got the coconut Merlin, but neither yeah, are Belgian strong. You want to do the Belgian strong? I'd love to do the Belgian waste strong. a bottle. Yeah, let's right, do it, let's man. Let's do it. All right. I want to. I want to. I want to have the reactions to that on on the air. That'll yeah. be fun. All right. Let me go grab that bottle. So while he's grabbing that bottle, we have to uh, we have to keep the dead air away. I think we've uh, done enough commercial beers. Oh, yeah. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> Makes it easier on us. So this is the one that you guys did the party guile on. Yeah. This is the one that we did a, a party guile on. We did a. Um, a Belgian Dark Strong. And that was the first runnings? That was the first runnings. Second runnings was a Saison. Uh, so we used Saisenstein's Monster for that. Um, we do not have any of that beer left. That beer got drank rather quickly. Um, we did Bottle Condition, the Belgian Dark Strong. Mm, nice. So that's why we still have that available. I was going to actually contact you soon and see if you maybe were interested in doing a collab at some point because I wanted to do a... Uh a sour saison blend. Oh yeah. 
And then uh, Sean's never done one of those. No, never. That's that's my base sour. How I generally do it is brew a uh, a well, I I ferment a very sour base beer, mm-hmm. like very low pH, tons of um, tons of expression from you know Lactobacillus, Pediococcus, Britannomyces. And then I do a, a Brett Saison and blend the two together. And that gets me like a good level of sourness. Yeah, the idea that I wanted to do with it was um, for bottle conditioning, instead of adding priming sugar, add maybe some like a touch hair more Saison yeast to really bring it through that, uh, that Saison flavor. So add more Saison yeast when you're um, bottle conditioning it? Is that right. what you mean? Yeah. Okay. Do you think that would be necessary? There wouldn't be enough in suspension? Um, does it typically, so what do you, when you bottle condition, do you just cap it and it ferments on itself? You don't add any priming sugar whatsoever? I just, yeah, I add priming sugar, but not any, any additional yeast. Yeah, that's the thing. I wanted to toy around with like adding yeast because I just tried a, uh, a beer that Greg Maloche did the other day. He did a, uh, a barley wine. I may be wrong, but he, uh, instead of using priming sugar, he added champagne champagne yeast, and it gave it, like, this silky, super bubbly. Okay. Uh, I can see that, yeah. Maybe uh, in a no Belgian, like, this might have benefited from that, but from, it would have been a little dry. Yeah. I feel, which, uh, depending on the style, barley wine doesn't need the sweetness as much. Yeah. It, like, de- it, de- it really depends, and it's going to have, a barley wine's going to have some enough residual sweetness from crystal or caramel malts yeah. on its own. So you don't necessarily need residual unfermentables. Yeah, because um, the champagne yeast isn't going to eat. No, it, it it's still limited. Yeah, it is still. Uh, it's not like Britannomyces exactly. or something like that. Uh, it does do more damage than other yeast, but it does not quite do what a Brett does. You so. can uh, you can smell this. This is another beer that you can smell from a foot and a half away, man. This mm-hmm. is like raisins, fig. Yeah, it smells so good. Though. Raisin fig and and Very malt. Figgy. Yeah, I think it's gotten better. At least the smell has gotten better since we. It's almost like it a Christmas. little bit of persimmon on the nose, like a persimmon cookie. Okay, you know what I mean. Have you brewed anything with persimmons? I have not yet. Ooh, that's good. Damn, that is good. It's got the booze there. It's got the. It's got a little bit of a phenolic middle note like as you drink it you're hit with the the sweetness and the fruit flavors and then there's like the phenolics that come in in the middle and then it finishes really fruity again it's got a lot of sweetness yeah it's not it doesn't taste heavy though it doesn't taste like no it's not like um like not cloying or yeah that's that's what i was the word i was looking for Sometimes I know words. He didn't, that was the one I couldn't find, man. <laughs> but I'd like to really see how it is warmed up. Yeah, exactly. Carbonation is, uh, it's a tad low. Yeah, well, that was kind of to be. Yeah, we had we had some issues with, uh, with that. But um, really good beer. Yeah, no Caramely. It's got that like burnt sugar too, that that like a level beyond caramel. Yeah, honestly, this, uh, this on some bourbon or like on a bourbon barrel. Oh that yeah, would be, that would be that'd be the tits. That's what I've been wanting to <laughs> do um, ever since Tioga did Sierra Dark Sky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, man, that is a good beer. 
but yeah, I'd really like to. Man, I need a five gallon bourbon barrel. I I'm a big believer too that just adding a little bit of spirit directly will get you 95% of the way there. Right. Again, something that as home brewers you have the luxury of doing. If you That's want true. if you want spirit character, just add a little bit of spirits. Um, um, do you think about soaking maybe some wood chips in a bourbon and then adding that in? I have thought about it. I've done that a few times. Um, when you're I would use cubes rather than chips. Cubes, okay. Um, chips can get really astringent. They can get overpowering. You can get it overpoweringly oaky. Have you seen those kind of rectangular the, the spirals? Yeah, the spirals. Yeah, the oak spirals. Those I've I've seen. I've not used. Um, it makes sense. I mean, they'd have a pretty good surface area, but at the same time, they're not just like powder the way that um, chips, chips can be. Yeah. Um, but I think leaving. I don't know. I, I, I think uh, the best way, if you do want a little bit of that character, is to just right before you put the um, the oak and the spirits, whatever spirits you're using in, don't let the spirits sit on the oak. Okay. Because that's going to, the spirits are going to like extract a lot of the wood tannins and stuff like that. Yeah, so the beer's going to end up so with So the beer's going to end up character. with it because it's being carried in via the spirits. So do them separate. So, well, just or maybe like dump maybe it, dump it, it on so that it. sanitizes, sanitizes it, the wood. And, and then, then, you know, let it sit for like a minute and then dump pull it. it out. D- well, no, dump it all in. The okay. spirits and the oak. That makes sense. And then check the... Um, check the beer like i'm not even exaggerating especially if you're using if you're using chips or cubes i'm not familiar really with spirals but chips or cubes check it every 12 hours oh really yeah yeah. it'll it'll go over especially with chips it'll get overly oaked real quick and you have to keep in mind too when you're testing that like the flavor that you get if you're only taking one sip like wood tannins build Mm-hmm. So if you can taste it, that's good. Like stop right there. You know what I mean? Because uh, if you if you uh, wait until you have enough oak character in like just one taste, mm-hmm. by the time you go to have a pint or a tulip glass of it's that, it's gonna be overkill. It's when you get halfway through that glass, it's gonna be completely overkill. I'm gonna be segueing so. to making spirits semi soon as well. Oh wow! It's the the perk of that digimash is you can get a. Uh, still attachment for it that's cool so i'm probably gonna edit that out just so you know <laughs> really yeah that's illegal dude that's no, not yeah it's, it is it's, it's very illegal it's for fuel uh, you're using you it, just you, said you're making spirits for fuel fuel spirits oh fuel yeah spirits. okay yeah okay all right i'll leave it in he's got a car that runs on ethanol exactly yep, yep. uh-huh i'll get the the can you make me some essential ice. oils while you're doing it too yeah yeah of course is that illegal i'm well? like no grain essential oils. <laughs> oh, I can't tell if you're being a smart ass now. I'm just gonna sit here and be quiet. Um, well, with that, uh, everybody, if you need some fuel, hit up Stephen Kalisti. He'll be making that real soon. And um, I'm gonna stick to beer. Likewise, maybe like seltzer. He is the seltzer king, after no, all. No plans for a while. By the way, the name of my seltzers. Wyatt Claw. Wyatt Claw. Yeah, you somebody... really missed the boat on that the first time, Dude, man. I know. Wyatt Claw. Wyatt Claw. That's so... My That's friends great. are, like, stupid smart sometimes. 
Um, but yeah, I think uh, that's going to be it for us today. Um, anybody want to give their handles, their how people can reach you for questions about the information that you shared today? Yeah, just the uh, the the Facebook group is probably the best. Uh, and Jared even posted, I believe today, the group's been kind of quiet. Like post your post your shit, guys. If you're doing something cool, yeah, uh, tell tell everybody about it. So uh, I mentioned. Bakersfield Foam earlier, so that's for paid members. Um, again, reach out if you're interested in, in that. But if you're just looking for a, a Facebook group to talk to other homebrewers, uh, look up Kern County Homebrewers. That's free to get in, and uh, sometimes there's good discussions, though not much lately. But we'll get there. Uh, jump in. Uh, I'll let you in. I don't care who you are. Um, and let's talk beer. Or come down to the shop, because... I'm here all the time. Khaleesi's here most of the time. Oh, God. It's also a great platform if you have any questions. There's a lot of really good homebrewers on there that can uh, give you an idea if you have a problem with something. Take advantage can, of the experience. Oh, yeah, exactly. They can definitely direct you in the right direction. Yeah. And you'll have 10 different answers, and you can kind of just decide what you want to go with. Yeah, I think uh, Kern County Homebrewers, like all three brewers at Templar are in there now. Yeah, I believe so. <laughs> so. They were all homebrewers like a year ago, so uh, it's really cool to see. It's a it's a good networking opportunity oh, yeah, for sure. Really, absolutely. So. Uh, but yeah, that's gonna be it. Uh, I am Jared with Central Valley Homebrew. Uh, come down to the shop anytime during our hours. Talk beer, share beer, and uh, spend some money. <clears throat> and um, yeah, keep brewing, guys. Yep. We'll see y'all soon. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye.